0: Good morning, everybody. I don't know about you, but I needed that song right there, right? So let's just keep singing that. My job would be a lot easier this morning. But we're so glad you're, you guys are here to uh, worship with us. Um, when we sing together, uh, like I just mentioned, uh, it actually has a way of reminding us of uh, reality, of truth, of the God who is there. And the great thing about God is, uh, you can be near him, and you need to be reminded, and then you could be really far away, and you need to be reminded. And, and what God does through the church, uh, no matter uh, if you believe in God, and even if you don't, and kind of somewhere in the spectrum, or you feel close to God, or, or you don't, uh, when we gather on a Sunday, uh, what we're doing is we actually come with expectancy. Uh, sometimes we don't even realize that, but you're here because you're hoping to uh, to meet with God, to hear from God, to, to receive uh, word of truth and help and, and guidance. And uh, the great thing about God is like when we gather in his name, uh, that's actually what he does. Uh, he gives us the guidance that we need. Uh, so what I want to do is I just want to pray uh, for our time uh, this morning that God will really use it uh, to help us, uh, to lead us forward. So let's pray together. Father, we are just in so much need of the favor that you have given us. Without your favor, we are uh, downcast, we are condemned, and we are all alone. But through your favor and through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, we actually are your sons and we're your daughters. And you cherish and you love us. And even more than that, you have planted us here and now, in this season, in our community, in our neighborhood, in our family, uh, to make a difference. I know there are so many who are burdened, who are anxious, who are worried, who feel the weight of life. And so I ask right now, Lord, as we gather in your name, that we will learn better how to carry the burdens you've given us, but at the same time, I look to how you lead us forward. Look to the mission that you have us on. And so we thank you for this opportunity. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So you're here for a new series called Making Change. And we're going to be talking a lot about the Bible's view of money and financial stewardship. Stewardship means something that you've been given and how you take care of it. And when you dig into the scriptures, you find that that money and finances and our stuff is woven in uh, in the Old Testament and it's woven into the New Testament. And that's because uh, materials and things that we have and money and work and all that, uh, that's a big part of our lives, right? How many of you are kind of worn out today because of your job, right? Some of you can't even lift your arm. You are so tired. It's, or it's the donuts, like I, I don't even know what you're saying. Uh, but, but life is, is consuming and, there, and there's so much uh, that we we think about and even here on a sunday you're gearing up for the week and you're probably already kind of thinking and contemplating all that you have on your plate and it can be very overwhelming uh, but the bible speaks specifically to these areas and so as a church what we need to do is we need to speak to all the areas of life that we find ourselves in because the christian life is actually something that you live out in everything that you face Uh, You're not supposed to just like check out of your relationship uh, Monday through Saturday and then like check in to your relationship on Sunday. It's actually something that the Sunday and your time in the community and what we're doing here at Ridgeview is to prepare you and to help you uh, and to prep you for, for what God wants you to do. And certainly we need a right view of our money, of what it means to take care of all the things that God's given us. Uh, ways that we get off track, how to get back on track, and kind of everything in between. So what I want to do is, since this is the start of a new sermon series, I want to just give you like a preview of where we're going to be heading. And so you'll see a graphic here that that highlights it. Uh, Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. Uh, We're not going to be talking about all four of these uh, today. Uh, We're going to be talking about less is more. And so if you go to the next slide, you'll see kind of the calendar. Uh, Less is more, um, that's what I'm going to focus on today, Uh, stress is is bad. Um, I just love that. How many of you would you agree with that title? Yeah, Good. You guys, that's good. Stress is bad. We're going to talk about that. The funny thing about stress, we would all say it's bad, but we all know it's real. And just because it's bad doesn't mean it's something that we don't deal with. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, giving is good. Again, we would all agree with that. Uh, but what does that really look like? And then uh, tomorrow matters. Uh, that's going to be like, what, what about like, the future do we need to actually take care of it as it relates to our things? Uh, what are the things that we need to think about and uh, prepare? And so we're, we're going to cover kind of many things related to uh, our finances, but at the same time, uh, which you find in scripture, is, is it's actually when you deal with like money, when you deal with finances, you're actually dealing with your heart. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, that's actually what Jesus says. Like, you know, where your money is, like the, that's where your heart is. There's a connection to your heart and to your treasure. And uh, we live in a time now. Uh, where we spend so much of our time thinking about the treasure but not thinking about the purpose of it. And we can spend a lot of our time spinning our wheels. And so this is much more uh, than finances. Uh, if you're stressed out uh, through your budget or your giving and your money and everything in between, uh, I, I think it will be a help. But if you're not and you feel like, I, I know this, I, I'm good in this, uh, hopefully there will be some perspective that will like kind of... Uh, give you maybe a 30,000 foot view, a big picture, and, and it will challenge you uh, in new, new ways. So uh, today is less is more. But I want to start with this question. How can less be more when more is always better? That's what I was thinking yesterday at the chili cook-off. <laughs> and then I realized less really is more <laughs> at about 6 p.m. You know, it ended at 5. But we have a statement, less is more, but do you realize we live in a world that that really is not true according to what everyone thinks? Think about it. I just pulled up some images. A lot of driveways look like this. Amen if your, your grass looks like that too. You're welcome, You're welcome here. Uh, but look at all those cars. That's just like normal. And who knows, do they have one in the garage? I was curious about that all week long. But this is like the United States we you live in. Like most have at least two cars. Uh, and there's countries around the world where they don't even have one. So in America, it seems like more is more, especially as it relates to vehicles. Here's another one. Confession time. Come on. How many of your closets look like that? You're like, which closet? <laughs> Summer, fall? But shoes, like you can never get enough shoes. Um, another one. This might hit us right now. You just, it's like, oh, yeah, I got to go. You're thinking right now, oh, I got to get to Costco. I got to get that case. But if you get one, it's like, why not get two? If you got two, you're working out. You might as well just get a third. Uh, and we, we've seen that related to toilet paper. I didn't want to show that one. That one's still a little tough because uh, Costco's actually limiting it. So you can't get more. Uh, you can only get one. Uh, but it's also related to more than just our stuff. How many of your calendars look like that? Yeah, less is more. Well, let's hang out. Let's get together. Okay what does 2022 look like for you? More is more as it relates to stuff. If there's like a a time to be available, we fill it with something. So like we're not available. Uh, And then here's another one. If you get the computer, you got to get the iPad. And if you get the iPad, you've got to get the phone. And it's usually in the opposite order. And then if you get that, you got to get the watch. So it notifies you that on every device, everything is happening. So We live in a time where less is more except in our life, where more is more. And so the reason this is such an important topic is because without realizing it, all of us are inundated by the fact that less really isn't more, by what we see in our culture, what we feel in our life, our own appetites, our own draw, our own temptations, we want to keep up with people that are getting the new things. Have you ever gotten like a new phone and then the release of the newer one comes out? And you're just like, I'm incomplete. <laughs> I need the new one. And, you know, you live in a time where like that, you're, you're kind of supposed to chase that. You're supposed to uh, keep up uh, with that. And in, in my own life, uh, less is more something that I, I really had to like grow in over time. We, we grew up in a military family. Uh, my mom uh, stayed home and we were like one income military family, which basically means there's not a lot of money. And uh, we would get new things, but the only way we got new things is if it was on clearance. And you guys remember that? Like it didn't matter what you wanted, it mattered what was on sale. And then that's what you wanted, right? Uh, we were kind of the family too, like the McDonald's. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember when the value meals were $2.99? Now some of you are gonna be like, I remember when they were 35. I'm talking like, you know, early 90s. It was like every combo meal was $2.99, and they kind of started going up. But like in our family, it was like you have to stay at the $2.99 meal. The $2.99 meal was what you wanted, even if you didn't want it. And so we we lived frugally. And so what would happen is uh, I would get new stuff, and I would not open it. And this is something I've been married now uh, over 19 years, and this is something like my wife has slowly been just trying to help me with. I would buy a new shirt or a new pair of pants, or new shoes, or new socks, and I would not cut the tags off of them, and I would not open them, because we got so like infrequent new things that like I just wanted to keep it like it was like a museum. <laughs> I'm really messed up, and I, I mean I, I lived, I went into college. I like this. In fact, I had a roommate and I had new socks, and my socks. We're like old and dingy and holy, but I didn't want to open the new packet of socks because as soon as I open, it, it's not new anymore. And my roommate actually went into my top drawer and opened my socks for me and said, they're open, wear them. And I was like seriously upset for, for a really long time. Why did, I, why did I do that? doesn't make any sense, but it made complete sense to me. And it was my view. It was distorted. But it was the idea, like, I really want that new thing, even if I don't use it. And I literally had a pair of shoes that were so cool, but I didn't wear them for so long that when I was ready to wear them, they were no longer cool anymore. You know how sad and depressing that is? So I'm reforming. I'm growing changing. It still is hard for me to wear something new, but I'm working on that. But even at my age, through all my experiences, there's something connected to, like, materialism and having new things, that still, like, is a struggle. And, and you probably have your own based on your own experiences, your own choices, your own family life. And we all kind of find ourselves with different skewed views, some which could be helpful, some which, you know, are not. And so to answer the question, how is less more, when more is always better, I want to give this statement, which I think uh, is true and you find in life and in the Scriptures. And it's this, less is more when I create margin for what really matters. If you're always full in your schedule, if you're always full with materialism, if you're always full with all the things that you're chasing, you actually have no more room for good things. And that's what margin is, it's creating space. Now, when I grew up, the only margin I ever thought of was like paper. Remember that when we, you wrote on paper, do you remember? They had margins. It's made of trees. It's paper. And you write with pencils. They're made of trees as well. And you'd have a margin. And your teacher would usually say, don't cross the margin because you want it to be uniform. And so you'd have a margin on one side of your paper on the left side. And it usually was like an inch. Well, in life, that's the idea of like the space. But it's talking uh, even more than, than paper. And this is a quote. It says, margin is the space between our load and our limits. It is the amount allowed beyond that which is needed. It is something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion, the space between breathing freely and suffocating. That's kind of the common definition of what, when you hear that word margin, uh, that's a lot of the essence of it. That's what it means. Now, uh, that, that man who wrote that, Richard uh, Swenson, He wrote a book called Margin, Restoring Emotional, Physical, Financial, and Time Reserves to Overloaded Lives. And I think that title, it's long, but the last section there, overloaded lives, is the idea, how can less be more when more is always better? Another way of saying is that less is more is very hard when you're overloaded. There's no margin. When there isn't any margin, it's like, how do you create it? And the only way you create margin is you have to do things differently. You have to make different choices. You have to value uh, different things. And so today I want to focus on one verse. And this verse is actually a verse that I encourage everyone here and everyone listening uh, to memorize. And it's this, Ecclesiastes 4.6. It says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I'm going to keep that up there. Just read that by yourself. Read that one more time. So you see the picture. This is a less is more perspective. And it's using this analogy of like your full of things. And I think that's such a great picture of our pursuit of life and what we go after. And the sense is like in our hands, uh, we want to fill it with all sorts of things. And in our Uh, country and in our culture, you know, you need to fill it with money. You need to fill it with success. You need to fill it with titles. You're important. You need to fill it with activities and entertainment. And you fill it and you fill it and you fill it. And it gets to the point where it's completely full. And the lie that we're bought is, well, if your one hand is full, you have another hand. And then what happens to that hand? You fill that. And what the Scripture is saying is there's actually something that happens when you have both of your handfuls where, where now you are limited and your life has reached a ceiling, your impact, your purpose, how God wants to use you, you, you now actually have a cap to it. There's a sense in which, like, you, you're going to be, your growth is stunted. And so I want to just talk about uh, these words a little bit. Better one handful of tranquility, uh, that's another uh, paraphrase. I'll just, while they're, while they're working on that, I'll explain the, the first word. So you got it? Okay, thank you. Better one handful with, with tranquility. The word tranquility is, is like quietness and, and rest. So you, you, you have only one handful, but notice what you have. You actually have like a quietness to your life and you, and you have rest. Now, how many of you coming today would think tranquility is something that you would really value in your life, rest and quietness? I think all of us, like we all want that. Okay, but notice what it's tied to, one handful, tranquility. Now, then it says it's better than that than two handfuls with toil. Now, toil uh, means trouble, uh, specifically labor, but it's the kind of labor that's toilsome that that, that creates anguish. Uh, This is the same kind of labor that's described uh, to Adam. Uh, Once the fall happened, when sin happened, Adam was going to work the land, and there was going to be toil now for the rest. Of time. And the picture is you're going to work, and your work will always create blisters for you. In your work, there will always be thorns. In your work, you'll feel like you're done and you're at the finish line only to realize that the finish line moved and you have to keep working. So, better to have one handful of quietness and rest than two handfuls with this anguish and toil. And then notice it goes on and it says, this is a chasing after the wind. In the book of Ecclesiastes, this was written by King Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. And he also had the most resources. So picture like the richest man, and this was King Solomon. And then picture not only the the richest man, but the wisest. And In the book of Ecclesiastes, you find uh, his kind of learnings of this pursuit of the good life How to find a life of meaning and purpose and what matters. And if you're like in midlife and you're going through like what my life is about in a midlife crisis, read the book of Ecclesiastes. It's actually a book that reflects that. Some of it is like really helpful and some of it's like, oh man, this is a bummer. But Solomon uses this word a lot, chasing after the wind. What he's saying is, listen, I've had unlimited resources, and I have unlimited wisdom, and I'm going to tell you all the things that happen if you chase the wind. So what is chasing the wind? Well, in its literal sense, it would be like this, like, okay, guys, I'm going to give something to all of you today. You want something? Thank you. One of you will get it, right? But it's like, I'm going to give you wind. (laughs) So awesome, right? And I just start chasing, and I'm like, front row, I got some. Aren't you so happy? Okay, you guys ready for more? (laughs) I'm giving it to you. Thank you and I'm chasing, and I'm chasing, and I'm giving it, and it's like, I'm so busy, and I'm so tired, and I'm chasing, and I'm giving something, and as I open it, there's nothing there. It's chasing after the wind. This, guys, is totally counterintuitive to what we're being told every day in our country. Every day, even in the world. What the world says is better two handfuls, period. But what they don't mention is you open those two handfuls, and at the end of the day, you have wind. You literally have nothing to show for it. Now, that's actually a battle for us because when you actually pursue materialism and you pursue stuff, you actually get things, right? When you go to a car dealer and you buy a new car, you're not leaving with wind. In fact, you want the cars behind you to taste the wind, (laughs) right? We get super excited about that, like, look what I have. But the picture is it actually, in the end, with what really matters, that's actually what you have. It's a chasing after the wind. There's another, uh, you you saw it, we we put that, it's a paraphrase. Check out the, the, the description here. It says, one handful of peaceful Repose is better than two fistfuls of worried work. What does it say? More spitting into the wind. Now, have any of you done that? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do the same. (laughs) I won't do that today with all of you. But the spitting in the wind is the idea of like, it seems like a great idea until you do it. And that wind brings it fully back to you. And now you you, know, you got spit on your face. So it's literally, not only do you have nothing to show for it, but now you have something that you don't want. And that's the picture. Better one handful with tranquility, with quietness, with rest, than two handfuls and maybe a lot of stuff. Two handfuls with a full schedule. Two handfuls with everything I could ever want, including two-day prime shipping. But then when I open it, like there's nothing there. So how how could this be true? Well, if less is more, then I think what we need to do is we actually need to define what more is. Because all of us could spend all of our time and we could have tons of things that we could have to show for it. So it's not actually like there's nothingness. It's an analogy what it's talking about is actually there are certain things that are more valuable than others. And every day of our life, companies, marketers are telling you what's important to you. And they do that to get your money. And so all of you, if you have your hand out, and I encourage you to, to jot this down, or if you, you can do this on your, on your phone, I want you to actually define what matters to you. I want you to do that right now. So define what does matter matter. There might be a lot of things that you could think through that don't matter, but there's three things. I want you to narrow it to three things. Define what does matter to you and take the time and write those down. Now, some of you like hate things like this, three things. So another way is you're thinking, if you had three months to live, what would you do? What would you not do? That helps define what matters. Another analogy is like you're at your funeral and your kids come and speak about you. What do you want them to say? What do you want your spouse to say? What do you want your church community to say? That a lot of times defines what matters. So take just like 30 seconds, try to define what really does matter to you. Okay, does everyone have at least one? Okay, what's one? What's an example? Okay, family. Health, okay. Okay, the current day, okay. Church. Okay, my relationship with the Lord. So all of you are like narrowing it down, thinking it through. Now, the test of that is, look at your schedule, look at your bank account, look at your receipts, look at how you spend your time. And if we were to look at all of that, would that match your top three? So define what matters, we can do, but does your life back that up? Does your life prove that? And so that's the idea of less is more. And what Solomon is getting at is at the end of the day, it actually doesn't matter what you think or what you say. It matters what you do. It matters what you spend your time on. It matters what you think about. It matters what consumes you. And at the heart of that, where we think about our treasure, that is where we see our life. We could spend so much time wanting things that are so important Without realizing it, we're going in the opposite direction. Because if something is really important to you, like your relationship with the Lord, that means you will say yes to certain things, and that means you say no to certain things. You can't say yes to everything. For every yes, there is a no. So you want to make sure that your yeses support those most important three. And you want to make sure your no's free you up to do those most important three. Does that make sense? So kind of keep that in the back of your mind. This will be helpful for the rest of the series over the next few weeks. Uh, This is a helpful quote for me, and this is also a really helpful book. Uh, Randy Alcorn, he wrote Money, Possessions, and Eternity, and he actually has perspective uh, looking at forever, like not just here and now. Uh, He's a good thinker and a good writer. He's written a lot of things on finances. Uh, If you've never read this book, it's very helpful. And it actually is kind of mind-blowing in some ways. Uh, But he wrote this, one day everyone must answer these three questions. Where did it all go? What did I spend it on? What has been accomplished for eternity through my use of all this wealth? And if you look at the first question, where did it all go? uh, It's even more than wealth. It's where did all my energy go? Where did my time go? Where did my focus go? Where did my relationships go? All of us agree, like, this is important. But you have to think about it now versus at the end. And if you do that, you actually can grow. You actually can live a different uh, kind of life. So what I want to do for the rest of our time is I want to get into some some specifics of how you can move towards less is more living. And there's three things you can do. And I want to get into that. Uh, But they are to, to cut back to clear out and to pay off. And so I'm gonna talk about this in a moment. Before I do that, I wanna share uh, a story. Uh, this is from Jesus. Now this is the New Testament. And I'm gonna go through this briefly just because it, it gives some helpful perspective. So let, let's read it. So someone in the crowd said to him, uh, Jesus always had crowds most of the time when he was teaching because he gave words that people hadn't heard before. Uh, he spoke uh, truth and in a time when it was so needed, much like today, And they asked him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So this guy's thinking like here, Jesus, you have authority. He might listen to you. And I just love the realism of this moment. Will you just tell him that he needs to hook me up, basically? The brother was probably the oldest. He was going to get everything. He's like, listen, Jesus, you have power. Tell him to do what I need him to do. And then Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? So we have a picture of Jesus that's kind of like this. There's always like this backlight, flowy hair. It's like, just love each other. Like he's like a hippie. Uh, That's actually not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus actually was strong, and he said the truth, and he loved people. But love and truth were always connected to Jesus. He did not separate those two. And so he just says, listen, why are you asking me to do such a trivial thing? That's not my role. I'm not going to play that role with you. But then he looked and saw a teachable moment. And then he said in verse 15, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. So what's really interesting here is the man asked one thing, and this is just helpful. If you're pursuing God or you have questions to God, oftentimes you go to God with what you need him to do. And then he tells you, actually, you don't need that. You need to do this. Again and again, that's the path that the Lord has us on. We have a sense of, like, I just need God to take care of me in this way. He says, actually, I will take care of you, but not in that way. This is what you need to do. That's helpful. Because God ultimately knows what we need. And then it goes on, the story, verse 16, and he told them this parable. So now he sees a more teachable moment. Your life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. And then he says, like, listen, I know you don't quite understand that. And that, that happened a lot. You hear something, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. But then he gives a story. He says, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. This is like America. (laughs) America. You don't need a one-car garage. You need a two. But you know what? Two's not even big enough. You need a three. And then you need a shed. And then you need a storage for all those Christmas decor. Talked about that last week. You ever notice how much storage is just in decor? Sorry, I'm now I'm oh, there was what are you saying? I I love decorating. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Let's go on. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So this is like the American dream. You build and you have success. That's actually a good thing. And what do you do with that success? Well, then you gotta build some more so you can keep. Being more successful. And you get to the point in your life where like, finally, I get to enjoy it. Eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, this is very sobering. God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Here's what I take from this. There's quite a lot of perspective. Each verse actually is packed through. Uh, Verse 14, uh, God doesn't control us. Uh, He gives us sense and the freedom to use it. You have freedom. Your choices are powerful, and you make choices in faith. Verse 15, a full life does not equal full stuff. And then Jesus says, be on your guard against greed. This is to everyone. No matter who you are, where you're from, what you've had, you always need to be on your guard against greed. It pulls at you. It pulls at me. Verse 16 and 17, uh, success and the appetite for success can leave us spinning our wheels. Do you see that in our culture? Absolutely. Do you see it every day? Absolutely. Why? You look in the mirror. Every day you see it when you see yourself because there's something at us that we just, we want to be successful. Success is not bad. But you find the completion of that picture in the end where it says, rich towards God. The idea of margin is how can I build a life where I'm taking care of my family, I'm providing, I'm doing what needs to be done, but I have space and I have resources to invest in what really matters, being rich towards God. God. And so what I want to do is I want to take kind of this perspective, what Jesus is saying, and I want to apply it to like three things that you can do. And this is how to create that, that margin, how to create that idea of how do I get to less is more. Now, over the next few weeks and over months, you may need to kind of get more traction on, okay, now I have some space. What do I need to do? And that's what we want to help you with as a church. Uh, if you're struggling financially, we want to help you as a church. Don't feel like you have to battle that on your own. And so let us know. Reach out. We will help as we can. We'll give you perspective. We'll give you uh, steps. But this will kind of be an initial, like, how do I get started? So here's the first one. Uh, Cut back. Uh, This is the idea of, like, I have an appetite. You have an appetite. There's all sorts of things that we need. Uh, It's reinforced uh, by our experiences. I just did, like, a brief uh, kind of scan of my emails. By 10 a.m., I think this was on Wednesday morning, I had 30 emails of companies and restaurants and deals that all wanted my money by 10 in the morning, 30 emails, which are like getting my, my attention. They're getting my, my energy. They're getting my, my, my focus and it pulls at us. And before you know it, you start realizing things you never knew you needed, right? That's how it is for me. I see marketing and I see deals. I'm like, that's, that's exactly what I, I needed. How long have you needed it? Right when I saw the ad for it, I had a deep need. Agreed tells us uh, we are what we have. That's actually what the world tells us too. You are what you have. But Jesus tells us you are what you give. Very different. So cutting back creates more space, more space for the things that really matter. Now, even beyond finances, if you're not available for people, if your schedule is completely full, you don't have margin in your life. And if somebody has a need in your life, how do you help them if you have no availability? If there's an opportunity to grow a relationship and you're not available, how do you grow friendships? It's all connected. We all want tranquility, but we don't have any time for it. And what it is, is we're not actually making time. So that's what Jesus is saying, is we can have all of our plans, we can have all our goals, and we get to the point where we're like, once I get to this point, I'll do that. Once I get to this level, I will do that. And a lot of times, it never comes. It's that chasing after the wind, or it's the spitting into the wind, and it backs. So some helpful questions to ask uh, for you uh, for cutting back. Do I need this? This could be the next purchase. This could be the extra job. This could be another commitment. I don't know what it is for you, but that's a good question. Do I need this? How do you know? Go back to your three things that matter the most. And will that help you with that? So do I need this? The second is do I need this now? So you may need it, but it might not be the right time. That means you have to wait, and that's really hard. But the now is as important as the do I need. And then the third, how will this help me with what really matters? Now, did you know what really matters is actually not up to, like, just discovery? When you read God's Word, you find out what really matters. So if you're not sure what really matters... Continue to take steps to get to know the Lord. Spend time reading scripture, and you find out it's very specific. We live in a time where it's like just everyone do what you want to do, whatever makes you happy. That's actually not true. Why? Because you have two handfuls of nothing. But God's word shows us what really matters. Um, I got this email. I was talking about the emails I got. I got this email, and you can't fully see it. This guy had a taco costume. For Halloween. No joke. I thought, like, I kind of need that in my life. <laughs> I mean, right? And then I saw these, like, metal signs. I was like, dude, those metal signs are cool. What do I need a metal sign for? Nothing. <laughs> but I didn't know I needed it until I saw it. Again, 30 emails by 10 a.m. As I was writing this sermon, a deal for chilies came up. I'm like officially my parents now because, like, chilies is my favorite place. But it was a great deal three tacos for 10 bucks. That included a drink and an appetizer. That includes bottomless chips. <laughs> I was thinking, like, I, I needed chilies in my life right then. I needed to go for, for lunch. It's all on purpose. They know what they're doing to get our attention. They know what pulls at our heart. And so we, we have to work on asking the questions. Do I need this? Do I need it now? And then how does this actually help me with what really matters? That's good questions. Uh, the second is to clear out. To clear out. Uh, this could be in your heart and mind. Uh, this could be the things that you are just consumed with in your life right now. Stresses, uh, things that are overwhelming you, The unknown. How many of you guys spend time thinking about the unknown that you have no control over? Right? Me too. All of us do. But there's just times where we have to clear that out because the more time you spend on the unknown, you're actually spinning your wheels on things that you could be doing. It's not net neutral. It's negative. It it takes away from what you could do. Uh, This could also be in your schedule. How many of you just feel like overwhelmed with like everything pulling at your life? right? Yeah. There's just so many commitments that you have. So there may be like a part of clearing out. It's like, I need to start saying no so I can say yes. And I need to start saying yes so I can say no. And you have to work that, that out. And then it could also be in your closet. Like, Do you just have too much stuff in your life? For me, I get to a point where I have so much stuff that it becomes overwhelming. And so there is a, a sense of like clearing out could be literal you may need to give some things away so that you're not stressed and overwhelmed by all that you have. I think that's a helpful exercise. Like, you know, and these three questions speak that, what stuff can I give away? What time commitment can I say no to? And then what appetite do I need to tame? All of those help you get kind of into that less is more. So cut back, clear out. And then the final is to pay off. Now we're gonna talk more about this next week. This is the idea of debt. Debt is a heavy weight on all of us. It's basically the stuff that we have that we couldn't afford, and we're paying for it through debt. And oftentimes, debt uh, can be for some unforeseen circumstances. It could be uh, for some things that we just have to do. And then other times, it's because we didn't cut back and we didn't clear out. And now we're in the sense, like, where we need to to pay off. And so uh, next week, we're going to talk specifically about debt and the right approach and how to kind of get out of some of the financial holes that we find ourselves in. Again, you may look at your own life and it may be just filled with like so many things you're discouraged about. The enemy wants you to focus there. He wants you to stay there. He wants you to beat yourself up. And then as soon as you leave, to forget about it. But what God wants to do is he actually wants to help you. He gives you the power and strength to change as we ask him. And so next week, uh, no matter where you find yourself, uh, we'll, we'll talk with some specifics. But I want to just end with some statements. These are kind of like our own modern proverbs. See if any of these resonate, uh, resonate with you. Uh, better is a car that's paid off than a brand new one with really big payments that stress you out. Okay? Here's another one. Better is a small house than fighting over the payments of a really, really big one. For some of us in Southern California, it could be better as no house. It's like, who can afford the housing? That was my own quote, not on there. (laughs) Next one, better is to have financial margin and be able to help others than living paycheck to paycheck, wondering what would happen if you actually didn't get a paycheck. Here's another one. Better is to have less expenses than more things that weigh us down. Here's another one. Actually, that's the summary. Less is more when I create margin for what really matters. There's another one after this. Better is one handful in an intimate relationship with my children than two handfuls and they grow up and I don't even recognize it. it. Gets real, right? Here's another one. Better is one handful, some really good friendships than the pursuit of things and no real spiritual community. Here's another one. Better is one handful and a strong marriage. I think all of us would agree. But you have to fight for that. Less is more. I will fight for one handful so I can have a hand free for what really matters. That's my prayer. For me and my family, that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for our church. Because if we can live like people who have margin, we have room for each other, we have room to invest in relationships. We have room to grow our relationship with God and spend time getting to know him. We have room to serve with somebody that has a need that was unexpected. We have room in our budget to give when people are in need. We have room in our budget to give to the church so we can expand and grow. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls and toil and chasing after the wind. Uh, In closing, I want to just give you some next steps. Really quickly, as the band comes up, we're going to receive our offering in a, in a moment. You could drop your connection card in there, but take a next step. Uh, I've already encouraged you with the first one. Memorize Ecclesiastes 4.6. Uh, you just kind of say it a couple times, and you just say it a couple times tomorrow, a couple times Wednesday and Thursday, you'll, you'll have it down. Uh, the second, I need to cut back by what are things you need to cut back in your life, in your schedule, with your money. With your budget, with your spending. Third, I need to clear out by these. These are for you. Like, I don't know what that means for you, but these are really important. Like, think about this. You may not have it right now, but think about it. Like, later today, think about it tomorrow. And then, uh, fourth, send me resources for how to get started. As you're thinking about your own finances and your own life, you may be kind of stuck and you don't know what to do. And I said, like, we want to help. Uh, a key way we can help is we'll, we'll just send you. Uh, some initial Dave Ramsey resources, uh, which are like the seven baby steps. I think we have a, a picture of that. And uh, you can read about this. This is just a way for you to be informed. Like, I've never learned about my money. I, I don't know what budgeting looks like. I don't know what it means to have a Christian perspective. Uh, wherever you find yourself, like, we'll send you that. So just write a resources, and we'll send you a, an email uh, with that. And then next week, we're going to talk about stress is bad. I encourage you, Think of somebody who you can invite. And only think of them, but write their name down. And when you see their name, it will remind you uh, to invite them. So I'm going to pray. If I've not met you, I'd love to meet you after the service. Again, like Joel said, I'll be by the info table. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us today. I look forward to seeing what God does uh, through this series. Let's pray. Father, we we welcome you here. We thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name. Uh, We do remember our brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted who are underground, who don't have this freedom. May we never take it for granted. Lord, as we gather in your name, uh, we're reminded that we're not alone. Uh, We are actually uh, joined by you here and now, uh, but also uh, representing just in this room a a fraction of the community that we have. Uh, We have each other. We have people that we can talk to, that we can share our life with. We have people who can pray for us, and we can pray for them. The Christian community is the most beautiful and powerful community that exists because you hold it together. Help us to be reminded of what we have. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.